Mr. Oja Gracie, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for coming on. We're, we're really excited to have you on today. For some people listening that may not know kind of what you've accomplished, you are arguably one of the most decorated Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes of all time. There's a big presence in the room. Like, uh, I, I don't think we've been quite so intimidated by a guest before. No, this is the first time I'm actually excited for a guest. <laughs> Everyone else is going to be fuming. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, when I've heard this. But you just got back from Italy? Yeah, literally last night, late last night. And how was it? Yeah, it was good. Really good. I, I do that camp every year. I work in Sardinia. Okay. I have quite a few academies in Italy, so every time I'm there, they all come. So it's quite fun. It's a very uh, close uh, group of uh, guys, you know. They're all very close together, running the academy, helping each other. So every time there's a camp, they come, they bring the students. It's always super fun. Is it all over Italy? Or all, all over, over Italy. World? All over Italy. Uh, all over the world, but in, I think in Italy, I have probably the biggest concentration of affiliated. Okay. So, yeah. We were saying just before, like, when we pick somewhere to go on holiday now, we need to do jiu-jitsu. Otherwise, <laughs> we, we feel like we can't enjoy holiday because yeah. we go to Bali a lot because we've got Bali MMA, but... We're going to Ibiza tonight and we were going to pick out Lisbon and Ibiza and we know a couple of people that train in Ibiza and we're like, we'll have to go there. Yeah. yeah. We can't enjoy the day. A day feels so poorly structured if you haven't got like a, a morning roll. That's true. It's, it's incredible that we only started quite late, but now it's such an integral part of our everyday life. Yeah. Especially that when we went to, when we first went to Ibiza, we have a friend there that we, I met in Bali and when I got there, he took us around, uh, he's one of the head security guys of all the nightclubs. So it's always good <laughs> to have a friend like that. We went in and we're looking at everyone's ears. And we're like, purple belt. Uh, we're like, purple belt? They're like, what's And we're like, yes, <laughs> we're, we're all good. But do you feel the same with like, you, do you train every day? Uh, not not jujitsu. Jujitsu I try maybe three times a week. But I try to do some exercise every day. Okay. Yeah, which I think now... I'm in a stage that I need to do something to balance balance it out. Because jiu-jitsu is very uneven, and because I train so hard for so many years, I need to kind of align my body to be, like, healthy. You know, there's, like, shoulders, shoulder pain sometimes, lower back. So if I just train jiu-jitsu, I feel my body goes unbalanced. And then it's, like, it's, I feel much, I can train a lot more and harder with a high intensity if I do it to balance things out. You and me always, we've just had this issue where I went to a physio and I said, look, I'm, I'm training jujitsu five, six times a week. I'm doing no resistance training. Everything's starting to hurt. Yeah. And I knew even before she looked at me, well, I needed to lift more weights. I yeah. needed to be, but you enjoy sparring so much. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It is. It is. But it, it's important, you know, because... Uh, the, the, the posture of jujitsu, you kind of it, uh, it, it disalign your body, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's not heavyweights. Like I don't, I don't like to do heavyweights. People, I feel for me, you know, maybe some people, they think differently. If you create too much tension on your muscles, they snap. And, you know, fighting jujitsu, you need mobility and flexibility. So you need to know how much weight can you do it to not to lose that mobility and flexibility and people when they tend to do too much and then they just get too tense and then it's, it's, you, you cause the opposite effect. So for me, it's, you know, I never push more than like 70%, 75%. If I do that, then I get too stiff and you end up using too much strength and then, you know, you, your muscles end up just snapping. So it's, it's still just to 
align your body, make sure you know your back is uh, strong, your neck, your legs, and then you can push more. You know, your body will sustain a harder training. Because jiu-jitsu, you know, if, you, if the intensity is high, it's, it's not easy for the body. You know. I, I don't think a lot of people that haven't done jiu-jitsu, I don't think they realize how intense it yeah. is. So when they're like, yeah, I'll do weight training, I'll train hard three, four days a week, and then do some sparring three, four days a week. And I'm like, it's not, it's not, there's no longevity in that. You can't do that. When, when did you start weight training? I always done it. You know, it's, I think early twenties, I started doing more before that. Not really much. I used to do more like a conditioning session. Not, not never just to make my body stronger. Cause when you're young, your body's stronger anyway. You know, you, 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 it takes like hours to heal injury, you know, <laughs> but as you get older, it's, it's harder. So I'd say early 20s, 23, 4, 5, you know, I start putting more weight training on it. I'd love to get an idea of what some of your like secrets are behind the scenes. We've got one, you're like, you need to do your weight training. Like night before competition, is there any kind of like rituals that you have or anything interesting that, you know, is specific to you? Did you have like a, a lucky gi or like a routine? Know, when I played rugby, I had like a lucky pair of underwear for like a few <laughs> years. What's the, what's the Hodger Gracie? No, I think my routine, I would like to, you know, the day before just to stay home watching videos, things that would inspire me. And you know, the, I end up always watching like the same videos. It was like Braveheart. I think I've watched like 50 times, <laughs> you know, things that like, it, it can inspire you to, you know, as a fighter, you know, it's like war, you know, it's the, the warrior spirit, uh, gladiator, you know, those, those sort of films, you know, I always watch like two or three the day before, like doing nothing. I wouldn't get out of the house. I was just relaxing, saving energy for the next day. While I live in Brazil, I had a routine down the day of the fight, me and my cousins and a few guys in the academy, we, we live very close to the beach. So we used to wake up before breakfast, before anything. We walk to the beach, just dive in the sea, you know, just relax, stay there a few minutes, sit in the sand, stretch a bit, and then walk back home, and then shower, breakfast, you know, and then get ready to to go for the tournament. That was uh, my routine for many years in uh, in Brazil, and then when I moved uh, abroad, and there was no beach nearby, <laughs> river, river Thames, <laughs> yeah, cold shower would do the job just to wake you up instead of you know, it needs just something to kind of live up a bit. On your kind of like match day, like some of your matches and some of the, could you list some of your world championships? Well, if you were to say to someone, I know it's like a bit of a flex. What are the competitions, the main ones in which you've won? Uh, the world tournament, the world championship for sure, Jiu-Jitsu and uh, ADCC. Uh, those were the, the, the biggest one. And you've got uh, quite a, an incredible career in Gi and no Gi. And MMA. So not many people have really put their hand up as, you know, the what was it that John Danaher and Gordon Ryan have both said yeah. you're the greatest of all time. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, I, I, of course I feel happy, you know, with everything that I achieved. It's, uh, it's very fulfilled personally when you kind of do things that you set your goals to, to it, you know. Like, you know, I was very young. Yeah, I set myself a goal before I was any good. And when I was a kid, I never really trained much. I trained, I mean, okay, I trained. I used to compete a little bit, but not much. Like, I wasn't, 
I wasn't that good. No one really paid attention to me back then until I think people would only stop looking at me when I was about 17, towards 18. Then I became good. Before that, I was just average kid. It's, uh, my mom is Gracie, you know, not my father. When my father's teacher holds my uncle, he died when I was less than, you know, I was just born. And so he was very into jujitsu back then. But when Holtz died, he moved away for, from it. He kind of lost his motivation, you know, lost his hero, his teacher. Holtz was like a brother to him. So I, for many, many years, he was not training much. And that was when I was a kid. And he never had his academy until he moved away uh, from Brazil. And my mom is Gracie, so I never had that father figure that would take me to the gym with him, you know, his academy training. So it was more up to me to go to my cousins or my uncles, So which I did, you know, was it's part of the family, where the family kind of get together. I had a lot of cousins, same age. So we were always uh, together. So I trained, but not that much uh, until I was like 14, 15. And then like, I really decided, I was like, okay, now I'm not a kid anymore. Like I, I want to be the best, you know? And then I started. But it took me years to actually start accomplishing things. Because you know, when I just decided, I was, I was still getting beat up, you know. So yeah. people, the one thing is a kid to say, oh, I'll be the best. But like, oh, okay, it's a kid's dream, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just, he's just dreaming. But, you know, no one really realized I was like on, on, on a mission. Yeah. And I never stopped. So I, the results came years later when, you know, all the training daily, daily. I never stopped. And that was like my, my my life goal, you know. It was never to win something or to to win against that guy. I was like, man, I will be the best jujitsu fighter in the world, and that was my mission. And I never, uh, I, I I never gave up, you know. Regardless of how many years I was trained, I was already a world champion a few times, black belt. I still want to be better, you know. I always want to be better and better. That's why, if you maybe comparing me to other fighters, they, most of them, they reach a level and they stay at that level for many years. You know, I see like other high-level jiu-jitsu fighters, they like, they're really good, but what they are, they're almost the same level for many years. I always evolved, regardless of how high I was, my age, how many titles I had, I was always evolving. That's the feeling I had. So you see the, the you know, the last... Uh, uh, in my last maybe two, three years competing in jiu-jitsu, I was much better than the years before. I always evolved till I decided to stop, you know. So, uh, yeah. For, for the people that are listening, if you don't know what ADCC and that is, it's pretty much the Champions League final. That's how I would expli- explain it. So that's why, obviously, Hojiwan, when all that was happening, and when you were growing up as like an athlete, every person that I've spoken to, I've seen, their mindset has always been, no matter what, I'm the fucking best. <laughs> have you always had that mentality or did you have that at all? Uh, no, I never thought myself as the best, you know. I think la- later on, in, in the end, I felt that was, uh, that was technically ahead of most people I was fighting. I felt that in, in the end. Okay, then, then I felt the, the gap, but before, not really. I knew I, I, I had... I could win against anyone, but f- tournament is doesn't matter if you're the best, you can still lose a fight, you know? So it's not, I can't think I'm the best, 
because I can still lose. So what does it matter if I'm the best or not? You know, in a fight, in a 10 minutes fight, being the best does not matter. You have to win. You'd be the best at that day strategically. And so it's, you know, I never really thought, I mean, I'm the best because I can still lose being the best. It makes no difference, you know? Yeah. So, And how many times is it that you've won Black Belt World Championship? Uh, 10 times. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, your kind of humility with it is, is quite admiring as well. The way that you can sit here with 10 world championships under your belt. Like you're probably one of the kind of athletes that, you know, you almost went to a lot of your victories almost quite calmly. Like you're almost in my mind, like a stoic of this sport. <laughs> and, Silent killer. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of rolling against you last week. The technicality of not even just yourself, but the other black belts in your academy. It's incredible. And we've rolled at quite a few places. And the kind of culture that you've created, the technical stance of jiu-jitsu, it's amazing. We're, we're really big fans of it. With your kind of fighting style, where did it kind of come from? Uh, it's, it's difficult to say. It's, I think he, he, every person develops his own, his own style. You know, I kind of developed mine. But I see the way, the way I see jiu-jitsu for me is the way jiu-jitsu is. You know, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's what, uh, it, I don't, I don't want to criticize other people, but it's, you know, th there's a beginning and there's an end for fighting. You know, you, you start apart from your opponent and the end is the, is this, you know, is the ultimate control and the submission. So that's always my goal and which that's what fighting is. You know, you want to dominate your opponent, put him have have the have the most dominant position that you ever be, which is either the mount or the back, and then from there there's nowhere else to go, only submission, right? It's it's a, it's a evolving process. You know, you go from one position. It's a, where is the natural progress from that situation? There's always a natural progress. You can submit someone in the guard, but the goal, the the, the objective is not to finish the, the the fight in the guard. You know, you have to progress for a better position where you have a bigger advantage of winning so the biggest advantage you can have in a fighting is mounting someone or the back there's no better and from that the fight has to finish so that was always my goal you know it's 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 progress from you know get a better position where i am you know always going towards that goal is that like from okay let's talk say from a fight perspective if you were on the street right if you're going to leg lock someone, it's pretty, it's not, it doesn't feel like a very dominant position. And with yeah. jujitsu right now and where it's heading, what do you feel about that? Because at the minute, like leg locks and it's just becoming over the last few years. Yeah, I think that always happened and it will always happen. You, you see some, something, there's a position that start working and everyone wants to copy that. And then someone does something, you start getting people, everyone goes towards that goal. It, that always happened. That that will always happen. Uh, it's, it's 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 not it's natural. You know, Sunday there's a type of a sweep that's very useful. Everyone is using. Everybody wants to learn that to, you know, implement in their game. It's the leg lock. You, there was already the pick. Now it's not as much. If you see, because before no one was paying attention much. So the first. People, the first fighter that really got into it, will get tapping everybody. 
Now everybody knows you stop working because you know how to defend. You don't see in, in tournaments as much heel hooks and leg locks anymore. Now, because everyone learned how to defend. If, you, if, if I don't know and you do, you can catch me easy. But the moment that I know how to, then they stop working. You can see even the academies that people specialize in, in heel hooks and leg locks, they don't tap each other as much because everyone knows how to defend. So you have to, you know, go back to... Fundamentals. When I first yeah. went to New York, I went on holiday to New York and I thought, let me go to Henzo's and I met like Nicky Rod and stuff. And yeah. I was like, just message, hey, can I have a session? Um, he was like, yeah, come through. I did a little session and then I was lucky enough to do a class with Danahart. I've never been tapped so many times <laughs> and I had no idea how to escape from heel leg hook. lock. Yeah, heel yeah. hooks. And I was like, so, but now, you know more of the escapes and you're right, but I've never actually thought of it, thought of it like that. Yeah. We were in Bali and uh, I went to like a grappling class and this big six foot three guy and he's got two fully cauliflower ears. And I say to him like, uh, how, how long have you been training for? And he goes, he's French guy. He goes, oh, one, one and a half years. And uh, I was like, maybe he's a rugby player. And then we started rolling. And within about three, four minutes, he must have tapped me 15, 20 times, only with leg locks. To the point, I was holding onto his arms and Dylan was on the side. I shouted, help. I was like, <laughs> yeah. help. And afterwards I said to him, one and a half years. He goes, no, nah, black belt, 15 years I've been training. <laughs> and I, I waited at the end of the class and I said, I'll, I'll pay you to tell me what just happened because I'm not sure. And it was kind of frightening at the time. But then when you get to understand it, like you say, it kind of opens up the game a bit, but it's interesting. Holes and Hickson were doing these 30, 40 years ago. They're like heel hooks. They existed back then. And then, like you say, there's like little trends and kind of little ways that the sport goes and it comes back. And even Gordon Ryan, who has had a very high submission rate for leg locks. Then when the craze kicked off, he started then getting all his submissions from the back. Yeah. And he was, as that wave was going up, he already moved on to back attacks and almost went to, got everyone looking at feet when he went to start looking at necks. Yeah. And it's crazy that, although this sport is like an art, it, it evolves and it comes like waves in the ocean or like it's a forever changing game. But like you say, the, the fundamentals never, never stop. Yeah. I think those who get fo only focus in, in leg lock, that will get in the way of him developing other areas. And when the leg locks stop working, which they will when people, you know, that's what's happen what's happening now, then he has nothing else. So it's, I have nothing against, uh, you know, leg locks and heel hooks. They are great, they all work, but they can, I, I think they can never be your focus because that's not the focus of the fighting game. It's, if that doesn't work, then what? You're lost. I think you, have, you, I think you can make else. people lazy. Yeah. That's what I've realized with like, when people go for leg lock straight away, you start getting poor at like passing the guard, getting mount, yeah. and you start feeling, why are you smiling? You become like a bum scooter. <laughs> yeah. you're, like a, you're like a dog that's just taking a shit. You know, when the dog's on the carpet. It, it's like that. In the, um, in the academy, there's nothing that I enjoy more than seeing your dad kicking about. Uh, Mauricio, who is a coral belt, and he was the first coral belt. No, red, belt. And, red and white. Red, what is one above. Okay, so you have coral then, which was what that one called? Then red and white. Okay, and you just call red. it red and white. Okay, yeah, red and white. Belt. Okay, and um, but I've never seen someone with that level. What do you call that? Just call it red and white belt. Yeah. And how many years, like when you get your black, how does that, how does that work? So after the black belt, then the stripes. So for the coral belt comes after 31 years as a black belt. And then eight years after is the red and white. And nine years after is the red. 
we when I saw that we were at a different academy at the time when he walked in I was like whoa, whoa yeah, <laughs> what is that I, I'm like, I've never <laughs> seen one before <laughs> yeah and his demeanor he's such a kind nice person so bubbly like it was crazy at first to be intimidated purely by someone's belt but then to understand the amount of knowledge that must exist inside inside of mine but now sometimes I'm on edge when he's he's always on the mats watching us checking our technique yeah and you're about to transition for an arm bar and I see you yeah. see your dad looking and I'm like Suddenly I freeze. I've forgotten how to do anything. I'm like, I remember the first time he did a knee on belly on me. It's world famous, his knee on he belly did pressure. It, yeah. yeah. It was like showing and I was like, oh. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> so you said that um, Mauricio kind of moved away from being like a, a, an instructor in jiu-jitsu. He found his way back. Yeah. And was this at the time that you started taking jiu-jitsu really seriously? Uh, slightly before. Sli- I think almost at the same time, but slightly before. And when yeah, I think it was about 14, 13, 14, then he went to Japan to teach. He stayed there for a little while. And then England. I think it almost happened at the same time. And what's it like having uh, a father figure who's so knowledgeable in the sport? Like, would you say that was an integral part of the success in which you. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think a lot of things that I do, are my, that's part of my game. I see my father doing the way he moves, the way he uses his body a lot, the way he pressures his, uh, uses his weight to dominate his opponents. I think I got that a lot from him, and that's a massive part of my game. He almost defies physics. When <laughs> I, I look at him and I go, okay, I think you weigh about this much. And similar to yourself, and when I feel the pressure, I'm like, there's something not adding up. Newton, there's a fourth law <laughs> that should exist. <laughs> I'm like, there is, there is yeah. force coming from somewhere I've never felt. Being underneath him is not fun. <laughs> when um, I see when you wear your black belt, there's no stripes on there. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I feel like that says a lot about you. I, I feel like you're, you're like a really humble person. If there was, how many stripes would there be? Four. And what's the reason for you not wanting that? I don't know. I, I just don't care. It's I've never used. I never got any stripe in any of any of my other belts. So back then, my academy, you know, my uncle, no one used to get any stripe. That's like nowadays people get. Back then, it was just no one had it. So it's I never really care much how many stripes I had. And in the black belt, I mean, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter how many stripes you have. It's just, you don't have to, I don't feel the necessity that to show people how many stripes I have. It makes no difference. I don't think he adds anything to me. It's, you know, so if you're going to do like a seminar or like an event, then it's almost like a ceremonial belt. And I feel, okay, this is like, oh, where it, but like training wise or teaching is, I, I don't know. I, I, I think with you, like, everyone knows in jiu-jitsu who you are. So there's like almost, you don't need to prove anything. Not that you're looking to prove anything, but when we, like, when we first went to Bali and there was Ronaldo Ribeiro, we were like, oh, we've never seen this guy. But you see like four stripes or five stripes on his black belt, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah. I'm in trouble. He's a don. And although I feel like I kind of know the answer to this, Gi or no gi, what if you had to pick one? Definitely gi, hundred percent. Why? It's a lot. It's a lot more technical. No gi is a young man's game. Is 
you, ha- it, you, you, you use, you have, it's a faster game and you, you use more, more energy, more power. It's, it counts a lot for Nogi. If, you, if, you're strong, if you're young and strong and fast, it adds a lot to your game, naturally. It's, you know, your level goes up. Nogi is not much, much, much less because it's, it's so much harder to control your someone, Nogi, because you don't have a grip. The person is always losing in front of you. So his explosion and his power will get him away from a lot of situations because you just cannot, it's much harder to control him. Which no gi, with the gi, that doesn't happen because you're holding the, the gi. So he doesn't have that mobility. He cannot explode him out, you know, explode out of situations. He cannot just pull himself out. That grip will hold him where he is. I've had to experience this. I've been to three of your comp class sessions <laughs> and there are some, no offense to them, some old boys in the gi with black belts. And as soon as they get these grips on me, <laughs> it's like a slow death. It's like an anaconda just slowly wrapping me up. And sometimes I'm thinking, I'm more athletic than this person. I've got 20 years on them and I cannot, for the sake of me, escape. Because you will, you will not push yourself out of it. You need to know technically how to avoid that situation. That's the difference with gi and no gi. It's a lot more technique involved because pulling yourself out, you, you will not help you. So it's And if you do, you waste too much energy and then you're... Yeah. Which is what I realize happens quite a lot with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah. trying to use strength, get out, get out, get out. Then you're like, well, okay, this did nothing because I didn't yeah. either panic or try to get out. And then next minute, you know, and you can always tell, with the, you can look at their fingers with their grips. You're like, this guy's got crazy grip strength, man. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you don't get into that um, position. With, um, when you first came to the UK, how many black belts were there? Uh, not many. Not many. So when you came here and you were training with lots of white belts? Yeah. Yeah, m- mostly blue, blues and purples. Do you think, how much do you think that helped you with you as an athlete? Because usually people are like, you should train with people that are like your level or someone better to help you improve. Or was it the opposite for you? No, I, I came with, with a very strong, solid base already. So what I did, I just sharpen up the tools I had. So I just develop everything I knew to a better level. I think that's made a massive uh, improvement in my game. That's usually that's you know, what I tell people. Like when I go to a seminar, I I always been telling people that it's people they always they always want to learn something else to add to the game, to make a change, to make a big change to the game and to be better, right? So they always had the impression that, okay, I need to be better. I need to learn something new that's going to help me get, catch people. So jiu-jitsu, the reason that it takes so long for you to master something or to become really good, it's when you learn a, when you learn a move, when you learn a technique, it's, it's very complex. Every move is very complex. It's not, the, 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 move, the movement is, it can be simple, but there's a lot of details that you need to add to that technique to make it work. It's, it, it's your body's constantly shifting, in, you know, as you, as you do any technique. It's body movement, right? So there's a lot of details on your body movement that you should work exactly. There's one way to make the move perfect. If your body changes slightly, 
that move won't be perfect. So you won't be as effective. You know, if you're shifting from, you know, it's a simple way to, let's say, maybe to explain, if you're shifting from Kimura to Armlock, there's a whole transition to it. And as you transition to another move, you're not just practicing the move, you practice. You have to worry about controlling your opponent, not letting him escape, and you know as you do the whole technique. So there's a lot of complexity involved. It's not just one movement that you're going to get. So people they forget some details. So a lot of the times you you're doing that move and the person escapes. Or you you almost you almost catching someone and he's escaping. So you don't realize why that that is happening. It's it's a slightly movement that is missing. You know, when you try a move and it, it doesn't work, or the guy escape, or or, no, or you fail to do something, there's a reason that. So, what what's the difference between why can a let's say a black belt do the same move as you better? It's the same move. So why can he get some someone and you not? If your purple belt you've been training for, I mean, at least five years. Five years is a long time for you to learn the same move over and over again. Jiu-Jitsu, there's a, there's a lot of moves in Jiu-Jitsu, but there's not that many. How many submissions that on the side control you need? Yeah, I mean, true. how many? How many more you want to learn? If you're in the mount, you just have one neck and two arms to attack. <laughs> That's it. Two arms and one neck. How many years do you need to <laughs> practice the same move over and over again? So why, after you've been training for five years, why can't you finish someone? But the black belt has been training for 10, can the exact same movement. Why it takes so long for you to learn that movement? It's the same. Jiu-Jitsu is not that complex. There's not that many different techniques. Okay, there is a lot of techniques because there's a lot of different situations, but if you break down to that specific situation in the guard, if you break down for that specific situation, the side control, there's not that many. I mean, I use mainly one escape from side control. That's it. I know a lot, but there's one that I'm the best at it. And I've been the best at it for the last 10 years in the exact same movement because that's the one that works. In the, in, when I'm mounting someone, I can do a variety of attacks. I go exactly the same way for the same arm and exactly the same way for the neck. It does not change for the past 10 years. It's been exactly the same because... It, it, that, that's how long it takes for you to really develop something. You know, it's, 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 it's complex. So people, when they want to learn something, which will happen? Like, you know, your purple belt. So you, you're going to learn a different move tomorrow. And you're going to learn a, another move the day after and another move the day after. That will only add to the pile that everything you already know and you cannot do well. And you're going to keep learning more and more things, and you're just going to keep adding to the pile, which you do half well. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. But imagine if you get everything that you already know, and you really develop that to a, to a high level. You shouldn't need to learn anything else. I mean, you, you, a purple belt knows a lot. A black belt is a purple belt who does everything better. That's it. That's sick. That's that's. I good. never thought of that like clip, that. that. Clip, clip, clip. clip. <laughs> it's, it's true. So people, they, they you know, they want to learn something miraculously that will change their life, or that move will change my life. <laughs> Flying armbar. <laughs> you would just add to that pile of things that you already know, and you cannot do that well. That's it. I think there's so many things you can take away from that. Where exactly like you say, 
that move up white belt is the exact same as black belt. I've never really thought of yeah. it in that way. And it's just those tiny little... It's the same. It's the same. Guard passing is four directions to pass the guard. That's There's only four. <laughs> that's so you true. Go, you go over one leg or under, you go over that leg or under. <laughs> Going under the leg is the hardest, so you should focus to go over. Everyone naturally goes towards one side, and naturally. You don't pass both sides exactly the same. Everyone mostly goes left over the leg. That's it. You can, of course, you sometimes you go all the ways, but 80% of your times you go left over the leg. That's it. How many years do you need to develop? You know what? It's just like what we teach with fitness. Yeah. Just like basic stuff, but keep doing it well. Like a squat, for example. You just get better, just progressively overload in 10 years. How'd you get better? Do more. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy at the moment. I think there's, as far as our kind of listenership, there's a lot of white belts at the moment. The sport is exploding. I like that it, it's done so much for us that we are always saying to people, people say, oh, you know, it's my first session. What do I need to know? I'm like, just go. Yeah. Because as soon as someone's been on the mat and experienced that, and I mean, what I love in most academies, and I always say to people, just go to your local academy, there's that welcome vibe. You step on the mat, white belt, you're not sure how your belt was just tied up. You get on and everyone's nice. They're like, hey, line up. The instructor's always... You know, and they come over and you people realize they're they're out their depth so much, but it's it's an inspiring being out your depth. Whereas a lot of other places you can go and feel very intimidated. So like with white belts, people getting into the sport, what kind of message would you have for them? Because I don't know the statistic of how many white belts survive their first year. It's it's still a, a good amount, but if you were to say in someone that was excited to maybe start jujitsu, what would be like the key fundamental things they need to embrace? I mean, just start. You go there with an open mind and and relax. I mean, it's that's, that's the hardest. You're learning. Thing. You know, it's the the beginning is is a learning process. You know, you will learn different scenarios, different situations, how to deal with in the bottom, on top, when someone's inside your guard, someone's on your side, someone is mounted. It's you know, it's not not panicking. Relax, and you'll find a way out. I made my sister go yesterday. How does she, how does she like it? She's like my sister's a fiery personality. Turkish women, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, just go jujitsu. You go. I said you're going to get suffocated. You're probably going to hate it a little bit, the feeling of it. But I think the outcome of it is going to be amazing. And I honestly think it. I think we take out so much. Like this morning, we trained at seven a.m. and like. I feel great about it today. And anything that could possibly frustrate you throughout the day, it's never going to be as hard as a black belt choking you out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So she loved it and she's going to go again. But it's, um, I think something amazing about martial arts is it's more than training, which I think why people need to get into it more. It almost takes your mind to like a different, a different mindset. Not just I'm getting fit, but in essence, you're you're getting happier just by rolling with another bloke. It's kind of weird, right? <laughs> it's it's the punishment element of it as well that sometimes I quite like being beaten, and I quite like being beaten really bad because Some people they might not take that well. They can go different directions. No, no, that's But sometimes the the timer goes and you're tying your belt and you go. That was horrible. 
you go, that was, that was devastating. And then you get up and you get another round and you go again, but even being suffocated and all of that, like you say, afterwards you're fine. And I think that when you go into your life after training, you, you leave the mats and you go, well, I've got work. Guess what? If it doesn't go well, that's fine. It's not going to be as uncomfortable as this morning was. And even, you know what? You get a bit of confidence when you've been rolling for a few years where if, you know, someone wants to maybe start a fight or something, you're like, I don't want to get engaged in this, but if they do, I know a couple of takedowns. <laughs> but then also one thing is you're prepared to lose. When, when Before I was very competitive when I was younger, but now when I see higher belts or I lock eyes with a black belt who's about to kill me, I can go into something being happy with losing because as long as I tie my belt afterwards and I carry on, I'm, I'm going to be... You know, with progress. that though, I like that, but do you feel like when you were like, when you, when you first started, I sometimes, the belt thing is, it's a great thing for respect. But sometimes I have a mental block, I think, where I'm like, I, can, I know I can go harder, but why am I going lighter on this purple belt or brown belt? Maybe because he's older? I don't know. Do you, did you ever have that problem? Or what's your view on that? How, how should I react to that? I think it doesn't matter how intense you go. I mean, unless he's a fresh beginner, then, yeah, I mean, then you're yeah. just a big bully. Yeah, yeah. There's no point, you <laughs> yeah, know? Of course, yeah. But if the person has like some level, you know, if he, if he can take it, it's not that you're hurting him. It's just the intensity that is going up, but you're not roughing him up. You understand? It's yeah. like I can go very intense with someone. Let's say I can go very intense with you, but with, with no, but without trying to hurt you. It's just the speed and the intensity I go is harder. It's, it's the same movements, but instead of going slower, I just increase the, the, the pace. So it's, you know, when I want to train hard, it doesn't matter who I'm training with, my intensity goes up. The only difference is a, a better guy, he will, put, he will defend better, so you take me longer to get where I want to go. When someone is not as good, he cannot stop me as much. So the, the process is just faster. So you can go fast if you cannot keep up with your pace and, you know, you're not going like a maniac. Yeah. You know, you just, it's, it's, it's the non-stopping pace. Technicality as well yeah. as yeah. intensity. But should I care about the belt if it's higher and if I know I can do more? What do you reckon? No, you go, you go as hard as you want. Okay. It's... Confirmation you know. from Audrey Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, it's, if the guy is much older than you, yeah, you know, then course. it's like it's you have to also see who you're training with. Of course, yeah. If the guy's young, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you, you should go, especially against a higher belt. You should go as high as you can, because that's the only way to survive. You know, he's gonna win, right? Yeah. It's I don't mean, ideally. Sometimes it happens that you can win against someone with a high belt, but most likely you will lose. So you should give your best not to. It's interesting you say about the mental block because even rolling with you the other day, I take a grip and my mind goes, he knows. <laughs> he knows, <laughs> he knows exactly what I'm about to do. I maybe have three, four entries. He's already thinking about them. <laughs> then I think he's thinking about it more than I'm thinking about it. So, <laughs> so then I'm like, let's go for another grip. And then I do the other grip and I was like, he knows as well. <laughs> and then suddenly I find myself, I actually had this rolling with a black belt in Sydney where he could see this and he took his belt off. He goes, stop it. 
and he chucked the belt to the side. He still fucked me up, but <laughs> it was like, he, he was like, don't let this get in the way. He was like, just do your thing. And I was becoming incredibly awkward to roll with because of it. Yeah. It's almost like a, uh, an intimidate. It's like playing chess against a chess master. You're like, oh, what's the point? I might as well put that here. He's going to take me anyway. Yeah. Q- Q1 said that to me. Q1 was like, hey, stop being so nice. <laughs> and his attitude like, is too funny. So, and I was like, okay, cool. I get it. I get it. Okay. I, I won't be in that. And then I started like putting it on a bit more. He's like, thank God. Thank you. And I was like, sweet, wicked, amazing. But yeah, I think it's, it's that element of respect when you go into jiu-jitsu, which I think is why the community is so strong. Because even when you go somewhere, like if you've done jits with someone and you see him out, and you're like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and then when you're with someone, they're like, oh, who's that? How long have you known him for? I'm like, oh, we're just training. We're just training together. We're just training. <laughs> like, what? What, yeah. like you mean in the gym? I'm like, it's nothing like the gym. Yeah. It's nothing like the gym. It's, it's the intimacy that creates. Like you cannot be closer to someone. Then when you're rolling, you know. You become very vulnerable. (laughs) So when someone sees that side of you, (laughs) you just naturally get closer. That's probably why we never argue, bro. We just take it out. (laughs) I I took his eye out this morning. This morning, look. (laughs) It's a little finger poke, but it's all right. The worst bit is we wasn't sparring. It was drilling. (laughs) (laughs) He deserved it. One thing I love about, uh, especially the uh, RGA HQ is you got some pretty big names in that gym that sometimes you come out of the change room, you're like, Oh, someone very well known, someone very well known. There's absolutely zero egos in this gym. I think it's incredible with that culture you've created where as soon as people go in, line up on the mat, your belt order doesn't matter what you do for a job. doesn't matter what car you drive. Some guys be trained with, we come out, you're like, he's in an Aston Martin. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you would never have any kind of inkling inside that. You've got no one walking around with their chest out. No one thinks they're better than anyone else. The mats are the best teacher you can have, you know. <laughs> the attitude, you will not get you too far. <laughs> because it's true, you know, if you get with an attitude, I mean, it's then you've got to train with someone with an attitude that will reflect. So the guy will go, you know, it's if you get in an attitude on me, that forced me to react in a certain way. So I'll end up going hard on you. Because you're just trying to intimidate with your attitude. And that will humble the other person. It's Jujitsu is one of the best teachers you can have, you know, like that's why that's why it's so popular. That's why it's growing so much. It's the best fighting system, sport, whatever you want to call it, in the world, because it's the is a live training. You can go as hard as you want it without injuring your opponent. It's and there's no aggression, you know. It's, it's you don't have to hit anyone. You can you can go as hard and be as nice. And it's I mean, if you think of the way life is, in the way when when you when you're fighting this, it's it's it, it works exactly the same. You know, when you're always on top of situations in life. I mean, sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're taking a lot of pressure. Sometimes you're in a really bad situation. How do you handle it? You know, how do you get out of that situation? That happens daily every time you train. Sometimes you're on top, you're in a great position. How do you deal with that? Do you become a bully? You know, that's when you have the power. Are you going to hurt your opponent because you're in a better situation than him? Or are you going to try to to win but still, you know, in a nice way? When, you, when you're in the worst situation possible, like you think there's no way out. I've been there many times in jiu-jitsu. You know, sometimes you don't see a light. 
but the fight is still on. Life is not over. Yeah. It's the regardless of how bad that position situation might be, it's not over. I haven't tapped. But we're still fighting. It's why I love Jits, man. It's that's so good. And exactly what you say there. I remember one weekend I had a very successful Saturday. Everything went perfectly. Competed on the Sunday, lost in my first fight. <laughs> and I was out. And uh and I was I, I left the mats. So everyone's like, how'd you feel? I was like, great. I was like, I don't feel as long as I remain training jujitsu that my ego could ever get away because I get humbled six times a week. Like you can have something go really well in your life. You come back on the mats. You're like, I'm not that great. <laughs> and it is the best feeling to have. And I think that especially for successful people as well, where if they have recognition and money, it can take them to a bad place if they don't rein it in. But as long as you have that core group of people that are on the mats that, because your money doesn't count for anything I, I remember when my following started as a, as a white belt, the white belts clean the mats. And my, my coach in Sydney, he'd be like, I don't care what you do for a living, you're still a white belt, clean the fucking mats. And I was there like, this is great, this is amazing. But I think it's such an important kind of attitude check. Do, do you, when you're rolling with people, when, when you roll with someone, do you, uh, you like, I know exactly what you're like in real life from the way you roll. Very much. Your personality tells a lot in a man, a lot. Yeah. It, it, you, you can read the person like a book. <laughs> you could be a therapist, couldn't you? So if he's come on the podcast, he must like us then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what it felt like when I was mounted. <laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? When the knees go out, you're like, oh, I've got no chance. We got, um, I put some questions up on Instagram uh, from people. Don't worry, nothing yeah. too crazy. Before that, how was the transition from uh, competing jets to MMA? Uh, it's it's just adaptation. It's a it's a different game. It's it's a much faster, you know, than no gi because now we have striking. Like your your time reaction is has to be sharp. When you when you were training, were you like, I'm just going to get this guy on the ground? Because I'm sure any opponent that was coming across you, they were like, if he takes me down, I'm I'm done. That's always the goal, but it's. In MMA, that's the most tiring part of fighting. Take somebody down. Okay. So it's you cannot overdo it. You need to know what the right time. You know, if the time is bad, you end up more you end up using more energy. Or if that's your only focus, then your opponent can read you more and then he can defend better. So it, it it's you need to stay comfortable enough on your feet to wait for the right moment. So you're not gonna use as much energy. Wow. And you have to I mean, ideally, the more relaxed you and your feet you are, the more energy you save. So you, you need to get familiar with the stand-up in a way that you can relax. You can't be too tense, otherwise your energy level goes fast. And did you, did you train any UFC fighters, or do you watch the UFC and stuff at the minute? Uh, yeah, I watch sometimes. No, I don't watch it like every event. Yeah. Okay. Some, some. So we have a, one of our students, Modestus, he just fought. Yeah, we... That yeah, was unfortunately, he had a, a, a bad fight. Yeah, that, was, that was a horrible leg kick. Yeah. yeah. The, the timing was, was perfect when... He got him yeah. really... Because you see a lot of people, even John Jones for years has been putting that pressure yeah. on the front leg. Did yeah, you see the video? I saw it, yeah. And He's then, a big guy. I can't imagine how big the other guy was as well. He's a big guy, man. I embarrassed myself a bit. When I first saw him, I was like, this guy's massive. Qualifiers. And I was like... You some kind of rugby player? He's like, no, nah, fighting the UFC. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We um we have some pretty interesting topics here. One that's kind of a bit disturbing said that 
your photo looked like someone had merged during the night together. And, <laughs> and, and I was like, I was like, oh, okay, I'll take that. And a few people asking questions such as, who do you look up to, whether it's past or present? You know, was there anyone particularly when you were growing up that inspired you? Uh, a lot of all members of my family inspire me. I always try to look up to people who achieve something great in their lives. So I always, you know, got inspired with people like that. And growing up, I always looked more in the sports side, in the fighting part of it. Some people, they get inspired with, you know, great uh, personalities. But because I was fighting, involved in, fight, in, in fighting, I always look for people in the, either in the sports or in the fighting game that to, they achieve greatness and because I always wanted to achieve greatness. So I always looked to people that actually did it. And, you know, there was like old champions in my family, uh, Halls, Carson, you know, Elio, Hickson. Uh, it's, you know, even, even you know, other, other areas, you know, like Muhammad Ali. It's, you know, you see how he, 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 he acts, how he believes himself. And, you know, it's like, my, you know, Mike Tyson and people like that. It's, you know, Sports in general, you see, like, Usain Bolt is, like, recently it's not. But people, they're, like, really achieve. How was their mentality? You know, they everyone, for you to do that, you have to be special. Yeah. Like, your mind has to work differently because that's, like, one of a kind. You know, not many people do it. So you have to be inspired with people like that if you want to achieve that. Was... Was there pressure because of the surname or from knowing that your family members had such an influence on martial arts? Yeah, I mean, pressure, there's pressure from every side, anyone. It's, it's all inside your mind. You know, either you let that pressure you or, or not. It's, if you care too much, that's it. It's, forget it, you know. It's, if you don't care, it's, then you can handle it. It's like it. a right balance, right? Yeah. It's pressure. There was always pressure. I never really care much. I think I always use my family or any pressure coming on my way to push me forward, you know, like to drive me, not to hold me back. It's kind of like represent, represent in the family. Yeah. I was saying to uh, Duran on the way here, I was like, are you amazing? Because you're a Gracie. Or are you a Gracie? Because you're amazing. <laughs> it's like such an incredible uh, family. Listening to Hickson's autobiography, Breathe, it really brought characters to life, like Holes, like Carlos, like Helio, talking about their styles. Like it, it's crazy now. There are so many people that come on the mats, whether it's uh, you know GB uh, or whether it's a RGA. And you see those characters at the front of the mat and thinking kind of the influence that they've all had on the sport. And I I didn't know when I first started. I was no, like, I was, like I was like, who are these guys? And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy that a family have created a sport that now benefits so, so many people's lives. I could be wrong, but I think there is something different about jujitsu to other things than like judo or to taekwondo or to other things. And that's not to shit on those other forms of martial arts, but it, it just feels to me like uh, almost, almost all gyms feel a bit like a family. When you come in the change room, someone sees you like 7am, like, hey, hey, you made it to 7am. Who was it when it was, it was a sport that was like, and they go, yeah, but that's not a real black belt though, is it? <laughs> I think you said that something about Taekwondo. <laughs> I mean, someone said that about Taekwondo and I was joking. I was like, oh, when you get in a real one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, some other questions about, and this is a, a kind of subject, a bit subjective. The rule set of jiu-jitsu can change from time to time. IBJFF changed some certain things. Is there anything you see in the modern game that you would change? Uh, small things, not much. The rules, they're pretty much there since the beginning. And, you know, the point system and, they, you know, they, they're there for a reason. I, I don't think any negative in the rules. It's people criticize a lot, but I think regardless of what rule set you have, people always try to find a way around to be, to benefit themselves. So there will always be questions and problems with rules. They will never be perfect because, you know, human, human beings, they will always try to find a way to, you know, to benefit their own needs. So it's, it's difficult. They are always, because I know people from, from the Federation, I'm very close to them. So, they, I know they're constantly trying to improve the rule set. You know, any problems they have, they, you know, they're always trying to improve, which they, that's why the rules has been changing for, or it's always changing and there will always be changes because it's always trying to, something that can be improved. Sometimes you, you might get it wrong. Sometimes you might have to change it back. It's normal, you know, but, uh, I don't see any problems with the with the rules. I think the problem is the the fighters. If the fighters didn't want to go for the finish, there's no rule set that's going to make them go for it. They will they will stall anyway. So it's it's, it's the fighters' mentality, not the rule set. That, that's what I was going to ask you when you were going out. Is was your headspace always like points aside, finish? Yeah, because you know, like I said, for me fighting. I wanted to be the best, and that was my only goal. There was nothing else. There was no medals. There was no achievements. It's I want to be the best fighter in the world. The only way to do that is to submit in my opponent. If I win by points, that's not make me the best. I've just won by points. That means next time I can lose by points. Two points. What is two points? <laughs> yeah, it's a slip. I slipped in the mat. I lost. I mean, it's that's nothing. You cannot say you're better than someone because you won by an advantage. You're not better. That's like you. You prove nothing. I love that mentality. <laughs> I love that. Clip, clip, clip. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So every time I didn't submit, I was like, I fail. I'm like, I fail. For me, I was like, I wasn't able to submit him. So I'm like, I'm not that good yet. So it's I need to improve, or you know. It's, the fight was too close. I lost by it. I'm like, I'm still far ahead, far behind. I'm like, this is inspiring oh, stuff. I can't wait to train tomorrow <laughs> in Ibiza. <laughs> we're going to be training there as well. So I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to take it. When we were uh, white belts, we used to go very hard. We used to be the people we hate now. And even <laughs> even the, the black belts would be like, strong white belts are like, you know, whatever. But um, there was the one chap we're going to see tomorrow, the head of security. He always used to tell us off. So he'd sweep us. He'd be like, ah, two points. And we didn't know what two points were at the yeah, time. No. And he'd get so mad at us. And like, he'd be like clipping you around the back of the head yeah. if he sees you do it with someone else. And like, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see that. I have a question to do with like, you're one of the few fighters that's really created like a legacy behind you. As far as the future, your gyms, your brand, what, what is it that you're looking forward to with jujitsu, with everything 
Like what, what's your like utopian desire? Is it to get more people into jujitsu? Is it to push people through the ranks? Is it to create future champions? What is it you're looking to do? I think it's to get more people as I can involved in jujitsu. You know, I think jujitsu is such a special uh, sport. It, it changed, it changed people's lives, you know? And I mean, it changed mine. I see changing people's lives every day. And I think the world needs jujitsu. So, you know, I've been, I live in London. I've been here for a long time. I want to have 20 academies in London. And then, you know, when I can, when I'm structurized enough, I will go, I will start expanding worldwide. You know, it's like my, my not affiliated schools, which that's the affiliation. That's not mine. I want to have my own. Your own, yeah. So it's like my goal is to spend in London everywhere and then go abroad. Is there any in America? Have you got anything in America? Not yet. We'll, Not yet. we'll Not go. Yet. We'll go for you. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go over. We'll, and we'll scan. We'll represent. <laughs> we'll, we'll start finding good spots. But I mean, like you say, I think that's an incredible kind of vision to have. Everyone, I think that everyone can benefit from it. And it's it, to people out there, they must be so confused as to how it consumes people's lives. But it it gives you something that no one can take away from you. This is the really like powerful thing where I say that if my career starts to decline. As long as my belt is going up, you know, like, you know, as long as, you know, I'm always bettering the level of jujitsu where I'm at, I feel like I'm almost invincible in a way, you know, work can go bad, relationships can go bad, but the mats will always be there. Your teammates will always be there. There's always going to be someone that you can learn from and get better from. And I think that's a really powerful kind of tool to have for so many people that might just have their work, just have their relationships and just have like a gym routine that they follow. Did, have you, have you done any time in America? Like yeah. spent some time in America. Yeah, a lot. I'm I'm surprised Rogan hasn't had you on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it will happen because I'm I'm not I'm never there much. You and when it happens, you want to be there, right? Yeah, I'm yep. excited for that. I'm excited for you. Did we did we beat Rogan? So would you? <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. It's been great having you on. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed that. Like, uh, I'm I'm half admiring you i'm half scared of you yeah <laughs> so, dark night rises nothing to be scared of <laughs> until we're on the mats <laughs> cool. any closing is part of the game if someone's right this is like to close the podcast on someone's there they're listening they're driving to work they're like you know what i might have to try out jujitsu what are you going to say to them it will change your life <laughs> change Sick. your life and and when it does Make sure it's the RGA. Yeah, for you get addicted. <laughs> yeah, you will get addicted. You'll never for sure. go back. Yeah. <laughs> thank um, you very much. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. You know where to find the man or Gracie. And if you do want to start jujitsu, you'll see us in Hammersmith every day anyway. <laughs> so good, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> <Cheers>. <laughs>